Well, good morning, friends. Welcome to Evangel Online, a safe place to explore faith in Jesus. I'm joined here with Pastor Lisa, and we have a question for you. Do you know what you're made for? If you don't, and even if you do, stay tuned. Today, we want to know where are you from? Yeah. Stick it in the comment box below. But this is your friendly reminder that you have one week left before Mother's Day. Mm -hmm. So get your creative hats on because some of us are maybe far away from our moms. And so we just want to throw that out to you guys so that you have uh, just a little bit of a heads up. Yeah. And you know what? Mother's Day is always this like huge thing. It feels like there's so much pressure. But can I be really honest as a mom? Mm -hmm. Uh, we just want to know that we're doing a good job and coffee there you go you heard it from a mom here first folks. so easy tell us that you love us <laughs> give us some affirmation and speak into your mom's love language Perfect. some moms don't want gifts my mom is a gift mom Okay. I think all, the Denbravers just are gift, gift people. people. We love to give, we love to receive, and so um, we got some things up our sleeve. Yeah, so kind of this is your friendly reminder to think how your mom speaks love over you, yep. which is maybe a good idea of something, a creative way to speak love back, whether that's affirmations or active service, gifts, or a category all its own, sleep. There you go from a mom. That's your expert <laughs> advice right there. Well, friends, thank you uh, so much for telling us where you're from, for maybe uh, joining with us and a little bit yeah. of like, whoa, this is a week away. Um, moms serve such a great purpose in our lives, uh, but we're going to turn it over to Pastor Lucas as he speaks uh, continually on purpose. Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Lucas. If you are new with us, I'm one of the pastors here at Evangel Church, and we are a local church in Powell River, British Columbia. And so if you're visiting from outside our area, welcome. We're so glad that you're here. I want to start today by reading an excerpt from uh, the Harvard Business Review. And uh, it just says this, we've all heard this before. To change the world, we need to use our passion as our North Star and let our happiness be the measuring stick of our success. But as I've worked with thousands of emerging leaders, established executives, and students around the world, I've come to realize that the advice is wrong. Happiness is not the goal of our human existence. Making happiness the goal of our lives is tantamount to embarking on a fool's errand that is sure to leave us disappointed. In fact, recent research suggests that making happiness our life's goal may ironically lead to less happiness and backfire in harmful ways. That was an excerpt from an article in the Harvard Business Review by Nicholas Pierce, who is a clinical associate professor of management and organizations at Northwestern University's Kellogg School of Management. Now, his thesis here is, is, is not, it's not just based on conjecture or experience or kind of anecdotal stories. It's based on research done out of the University of California as well as out of Harvard. And the conclusion was this, passion is not a primary and sustainable motivator. So when we talk about passion, we're kind of talking a little bit in terms of passion and happiness being interchangeable here. Passion is not a primary and a sustainable motivator. Purpose is. 
Purpose is a sustainable motivator. In fact, passion becomes a byproduct of living a life that you believe has purpose. Passion, happiness, joy, peace, fulfillment, all of those things are simply byproducts of living a life of purpose. Now, I grew up in a generation where we were told all the time, you know, follow your passions, discover what you're passionate about, and then pursue a career that allows you to do that. And unfortunately, so often the social sciences tell us now that that was just such bad advice, passion, happiness, joy, fulfillment, all of those things are byproducts. They aren't something that can be primarily pursued and uh, something that motivates us and sustainably keeps us moving in one direction or another. Today, I want to make the argument that before we had the social sciences to kind of confirm it, Jesus knew full well that passion and happiness and fulfillment and joy, all these things, they were, they were simply byproducts of having a life that had profound purpose. And not just purpose, but as purpose in something bigger than ourselves. So today, as we continue our series in John, we're, we're going to kind of dig into that insight of what sustains us, what keeps us motivated in this life. No matter what you're doing, where you're at, there are some key principles that'll keep us motivated to keep on going. So let's open a prayer, invite the Holy Spirit to be our guide and our teacher today, and then we're gonna continue our series in the Gospel of John. Lord, we thank you so much that God, you, you do, you bring purpose to this life. You showed us what a life of purpose looked like. And Lord, even as we dig into the story today, we see that there was such a fulfillment, there was such a, a sense of excitement and passion as you were performing the purpose in which you were called to. And so Lord, I pray as we dig into your story, that God, it would intersect our story and it would cause us to look different, to act different, to um, engage this life and this world in a different way, in a kingdom way in a different mindset, in a kingdom mindset. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Come on, here we go. So if you have your Bibles, uh, turn with me to John, the Gospel of John, chapter four, verse 31. Now, if you're joining with us for the first time or the first time in a while, we're in, the, we're in a series entitled The Gospel of John, and it's important to under the, understand the context of what's happening here. Now, last week, Pastor Lisa, she spoke of the Samaritan woman and this moment where Jesus interacts with this woman at the well and then she goes off and she begins to tell her community all that Jesus had told her and showed her. And so there's a kind of this exciting moment going on and this is kind of where we pick up this account as we turn to verse 31 of chapter 4, the Gospel of John. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him saying, Rabbi, eat. So the disciples had gone into town and they were getting provisions. They were getting food because they were on this journey. And now they've returned, not knowing all that has transpired. And they're trying to say, hey, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, Jesus said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, has, has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Now, 
John, as he writes the account of Jesus' life and ministry, he, he gives us moments where Jesus begins to speak of, of spiritual insights, spiritual things, using earthly illustrations. And, and so often his audience kind of misses the moment. They miss the mark. You know, John 2, 19, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. And of course, he was speaking of his earthly body, but the, his audience, they thought he was talking about the temple that he was going to tear it down and in three days build it up again. In John 3, 3, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He's, he's speaking of a spiritual rebirth, but his audience, Nicodemus in this case, was thinking in terms of natural birth. And now he speaks of food that the disciples do not know about. And of course, he's speaking about spiritual food, spiritual purpose that fulfills living a life of purpose. He, he's so caught up in the thrill of re revealing the gospel, this good news to this woman, that he completely is not even interested in food anymore. He came tired, he came hungry, he came thirsty. But now as he's operating in his purpose, in his function, in doing the will of his father, he's so excited. He's beginning to see people coming out of the community to come see him. And he's excited about what is transpiring. And he's so caught up in this moment that he's not even physically hungry. You know, have you ever been there? Have you ever been in a situation or a thing where you're, you're operating in such profound purpose that, and you're, you're so excited about it that just the physical needs kind of were secondary? Have you ever had that experience in your life? But the disciples, they just don't understand what's going on here. They, they still think that he's talking about physical food. Now, now, this is key. We, under, we, we need to understand the narrow way in which Jesus is speaking of um, a life of purpose. Because purpose, it can't be just self-defined. Purpose has to have some concrete foundations. Otherwise, it's just, it's too ethereal. It's too kind of out there and we, and we grab it like mist. We need some solid foundations to determine what a life of purpose looks like. And so Jesus gives some concrete definitions to what he means about purpose in this life. In verse 34, he says, Jesus said to them, my food is to do what? To do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish whose work? His work. And so Jesus puts a very narrow definition on what it is to, to truly, in this life, live a life of purpose. He defines it. Purpose is found in doing the will of your Creator. Passion and joy, they grow out of a life submitted to this simple, simple definition of purpose, doing the will of the one who created you. What sustained Jesus all the way to the cross was doing the will of his father. Social science only confirms what Jesus, you know, has shown us. Purpose will see you uh, through the ups and the downs. It'll see you even to the point of dying. Purpose drove Jesus straight to the cross because he had a profound purpose. He had a profound mission in this life. My question for you is, is have you lost hope? Have you lost hope? I would, I would say submit your life to his purposes and you'll, you'll find it again because hope is a byproduct of living a life pursuing purpose.
Have you lost joy? Do the will of the Father. Do the will of the one who is, has uh, sought you and saved you. Do the will of the one and then joy will sustain you because joy is a byproduct of pursuing a life of purpose. Peace, passion, fulfillment, these are all byproducts of living life through a biblical worldview and pursuing the will of God revealed through his word, the Holy Scriptures. This, this, is a, this is the ultimate purpose for humanity. If you're looking for purpose in, your, in this life, this is the ultimate purpose. This is the foundational in terms of what you were created to do and who you were created to be. The creator of the universe made you and he has a plan and a purpose for your life and peace, joy, happiness, a fulfillment, passion, all of those things will only be found on the other side of submitting your life to a life of purpose. And of course, purpose being defined as doing the will of your creator. Now, now here's a clarifying question that can maybe help um, just narrow you in in a very individual way. Because all of us Though there's kind of broad strokes in terms of purpose, that we all have different gifts and God has created us all so unique and so differently that the expression of that purpose in this world looks different in between each individual. And so here's a, here's a clarifying question for you maybe to ask today. And maybe ask this and invite the Holy Spirit into this process. The question is this, is there a gap between what you are doing and what you were made to do? Is there a gap between what you are doing currently and what you are beginning to discover and understand that you were made to do? And as you pursue filling that gap and closing that gap, I promise you, you will, be, you will begin to find passion as a byproduct, joy as a byproduct, fulfillment as a byproduct. And and before anybody tells you that it's, it's going to make your life easier, most likely it is not going to make your life easier. But it will make your life more fulfilled. You will find profound purpose in closing that gap of understanding that you were made for a mission in this world. And as we close that gap between what we're currently doing and what we know that God has created us to do, that's where we're going to find that thing that sustains us, no matter what the circumstances are around us. Now, John, he goes on into verse 35 here. Do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life so that sower and reaper may rejoice together for here the saying holds true. One sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Now I'm not going to lie. Uh, this small passage here carries so much nuance and I don't know if we're going to be able to unpack it all. Uh, it carries uh, the Old Test Testament references. It carries kind of uh, modern day proverbs that were popular among the Jewish people. It carries spiritual meaning that 
that um, it's just, it, there's so much going on. So we're going to try to unpack as much of it as we can today. But I would recommend if you wanted to take some time to just research for this for yourself, uh, you know, a great resource for me was the Gospel of John, Volume 1 by William Barclay. He does a very good job of kind of giving historical context to moments like these. And so I would recommend that as a resource, just one of many. Um, but again, Jesus is speaking to a natural occurrence, a harvest, sowing and reaping, natural occurrence. But he's doing it to reveal a spiritual principle. Now, please re remember the context here. The Samaritan woman has just left Jesus. He just sowed the seeds of the gospel in this woman, okay? And, and she has heard him. She's listened to him. She's inspired by what she say, he's saying. She believes that he's the Messiah, the, the one they've been waiting for. And so she takes off and she goes back to her community. And as she goes back to her community, she's telling her story and people are kind of getting excited about this man, Jesus, at the well. And they're now, right in this moment, they're walking out of the community towards Jesus. And this is the context in which we see Jesus say this. You know, verse 30 says, they went out of the town and were coming to him. So this is already happening. They're coming to him right now as he's speaking to his disciples. So I, I believe that Jesus, he's pointing out to these people that are coming to him. And he's saying, look, here is the harvest. It's ripe. It's ready for harvest. And in the natural world, you know, you would plant and then you'd have to wait four months. So you'd have to wait through the seasons and then you would begin to harvest that harvest. But, but look, the planter has now caught up with the sower. I, I, he says, I just planted the seeds of truth in the Samaritan woman and now the community comes and is ready for harvest. He's referencing what he, he now reveals to be kind of this Old Testament prophecy by Amos. In Amos chapter 9 verse 13, it says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes him who sows the seed. So in other words, he's saying the gap between sowing and harvesting is closing. Now, the Jewish people, they believed that this was in reference to kind of the golden age of Israel. They, they were anticipating this golden age. And, and of course, they missed the mark on what that really meant because Jesus now is defining it as a spiritual harvest. Many of the Jewish scholars and believers, they thought that it was going to be a, a harvest of plenty. It was speaking to uh, just um, provision and plenty and riches and, and Israel just being blessed in a natural sense. But Jesus now is kind of turning it and he's speaking. This is a spiritual harvest that is talking about. And, he, and in this moment, he's kind of ushering in the new golden age. And of course, we know the golden age as the age of the church that he would establish in this world. And the work of the Spirit in man and women, bringing them to Jesus and his work in them. And so there's so much going on in this moment. And he's saying that the Holy Spirit will accelerate and, and will close that gap between sowing and reaping of the harvest. Now, now this is where things get perhaps a little bit complicated and, and why we need to cling to purpose. Remember, we were talking about purpose Purpose will sustain us through any season, right? 
And so if we don't have purpose, if it's just about uh, passion or happiness, or we're going to lose. That's not going to sustain us through the ups and downs of this whole thing. Because just as there's seasons of renewal and revival, where we, where we would kind of say, the Holy Spirit kind of closes that gap between sowing and reaping of the harvest. That the sower will reap in the harvest as well. And, we, and they both know the joy of that. What an exciting time. But there's also seasons where the sower doesn't participate in the reaping of the harvest. Uh, William Barclay, he writes, To the Jews, sowing was a sad and laborious time. It was harvest, which was the time of joy. May those who soar, sow in tears reap with shouts of joy. Those who go out with weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, carrying their sheaths. It's in seasons like these that we need to press into our divine purpose doing the will of the one who sent us because both the sower and the reaper have a part to play. And we pray for seasons when the sower and the reaper get to reap the harvest together. Those are beautiful moments. And I pray for our generation that we would see a season once again where our, the, the church would see this revival and renewal of the gospel in the hearts of men and women around us. But oftentimes, we also have to come to terms with the reality at times we, we just are in a season of sowing. And in order to be faithful in that season, we need to have a divine purpose that brings us and sustains us through. Now, don't miss this. Verse 37, for here the saying holds true. One sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Now, just changing gears a little bit here, it would seem that our generation, my generation, we have entered into a season and a time of deconstructionism. We like to take what was kind of old and deconstruct it. And, and basically, in a lot of ways, I almost call it evil. I almost call it uh, unethical. And so we're, we're walking, and there's some things that we need to deconstruct in our society, 100%. Absolutely. But even this, this idea of deconstruction has, has kind of made its way into the church. And it's made its way into the church even around our theology and our doctrines and our beliefs and our foundations. And the danger is that we can, as a generation, look at the generation that went before us and we can do it with such a cynical and critical eye that we miss, we miss the sowing and we miss the reaping that came from that generation. And friends, the biblical narrative always speaks to honor. Give, give honor to whom honor is due. And we need to be careful that we don't get so caught up with deconstructing what the, the last generation did, that we miss, that we miss the opportunities they made for us. Beware of an attitude that grows in your heart that begins to despise previous attempts to reach the world with the good news. Because some sow and some reap, but we all share in the harvest. 
So in seasons of sowing, be encouraged that the seeds of the gospel will ripen over time. And that's the work of the Spirit in our society, in our culture, the work of the Spirit as we preach unashamedly the good news that Jesus saves, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. But, but in seasons of harvest and renewal and revival, we need to remember that we stand on the backs of giants who faithfully sowed in seasons where they were not sharing in the joy that we're experiencing. So whatever season we're in, we need to honor those that have gone before. And we need to honor those that are coming up. Those that are walking into the, the fields that we sowed diligently over the course of our lives. And may God give our generation seasons when the sower and the reaper reap the harvest together and share in that joy. That is our prayer. That's our prayer for our nation, for our province, for this community of Powell River, that we would share in this work of the Spirit of closing the gap between the sowing of the gospel and the reaping of souls, inspired in the revelation of who Jesus is. So Lord, we pray that you would do just that for us, that God, in seasons of sowing, that, Lord, we would not just um, look to the feelings of passion or happiness and fulfillment, but rather, Lord, we would turn to the divine purposes that you've placed in our lives. In broad strokes, to be sons and daughters, to be um, beautiful feet carrying the gospel everywhere that we go. But, Lord, also individually in the, in the unique gifts and spiritual gifts and, and natural gifts that you have given to us. Lord, that we would walk in divine purpose and that divine purpose would sustain us through seasons of sowing. But Lord, we also pray, just as you looked up and you saw this harvest coming to you, Lord, would you give us eyes to see the harvest around us? Would you give us eyes to see those individuals and those people where the, the, the seeds of the gospel have now come to full fruition and there's opportunity for harvest, Lord. Give us eyes to see it in Jesus' name. And Lord, I pray as we submit our lives to the will of the Father, that we would, each of us, find divine purpose. And God, that we would be so fulfilled, so full of joy, so full of hope and peace and life as a result of submitting our lives to this narrow way, this narrow biblical worldview, Jesus-following way of living our lives. And that, Lord, there just be such fulfillment in that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, friends, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. And before we go today, I just want to ask you one more time. Is there a gap between what you're doing and what you were made to do? And somewhere in the journey of answering that question, I believe that you will find purpose and as a byproduct of purpose, you'll find passion and joy and fulfillment. So God bless you. Have a great week. Go in the spirit.
Well, thank you so much, Pastor Lucas, for just leading us in that idea of, of answering that question about what our purpose is and what it can be in Jesus. Well, we're gonna be doing communion at the end of this stream, and so this is your reminder. And so if you need to pause this right now, go ahead and do that uh, to grab all of your elements for you and your family if you're participating. Uh, but if not, we're gonna just jump into two announcements. The first one is uh, we have a really exciting opportunity to kind of live uh, missionally beyond just the walls of this place, but also just beyond uh, our city here in Powell River to join in a larger movement. Yeah. Uh, and that movement is actually in prayer as we have Pentecost Sunday coming up on the 23rd. But uh, we're going to be joining a prayer gathering on the 16th of May. It's at 4 p.m. And it's joining together with people across Canada to really just have like an upper room moment is what they're saying, mm -hmm. where we can wait on the Holy Spirit to move, where we can petition in prayer together. And so May 16th at 4 p.m., if you go to paoc.org forward slash online at that time, it'll have a link there for you to join that prayer gathering. And so we're really excited to join together as a church to be part of a larger movement of God working in our lives. Yeah, we will be there. Yes. Well, we want to say thank you so much for your continued faithfulness in partnering with the vision and mission of Evangel Church. And so if you have not uh, financially contributed to the church, but you are online with us and you call this your church home, we want to put it back on your radar that the only way our church exists is by the faithfulness of its people. And so there are so many ways you can give. Mm -hmm. If you head on over to myevangel.church forward slash give, you can find all of them. Myevangel.church forward slash give. And you know what? Both of these things kind of lead right into our communion moment for today as we talk about the unity of the church. And we know that the church is so much bigger than this local body, than this local family, as we're going to remember and remind ourselves on May 16th as we join with people who declare Jesus across Canada. But even giving, we're reminded that we are better together mm -hmm. and that when we join forces, we can do so much more than we would be able to do individually. And so we see this moment in the early church where they're reminded to come together to celebrate and to remember what Jesus did. And you know what? The thing behind it is that there was some disunity happening. Right. There was some division happening where those that had more were kind of lording it over those who had less and, and there was just some differences of belief there. And so there's some correction in this passage um, in 1 Corinthians for us. But I wanna just take a moment to say, you know what, right now, we're in a season of some great divisions. Mm -hmm. We have so many beliefs across sides on COVID and vaccines and all of the things, but we're reminded in this moment to put aside the things that don't really matter, right. to focus on the things that do. We focus on the death and resurrection of Jesus. We declare the hope that we have. We allow him to search us, to know us, to remove the things that would break his heart from our lives so that we can, with one heart and one mind, be on mission for him, as Pastor Lucas reminded us today. And so I wanna ask you, if there are people within our church family or the greater church family 
that maybe you have some issues with right now. Maybe you've spoken a careless word or a careless word has been spoken to you. Now we're reminded in 1 Corinthians to pause this moment and make amends, to mend relationship. And so I wanna ask you to be bold enough right now that if that's the case, that you pause this stream, you make an awkward phone call, <laughs> you have a hard conversation, offer grace and forgiveness and apology if needed, and then we can come together with a right heart before God to remember his sacrifice. And so this is what we're told. For I received from the Lord what I pass on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake together. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's partake together. Let's pray, friends. So God, I thank you that your deep love for us brought you to the cross. And we do thank you for your death and resurrection that made a way for us to have relationship with you. And God, we pray that in a time of great division in our world, in a time of great hurt, that you would allow us to be known by our love for one another our agape, no strings attached kind of love. And so we ask, Lord, where there have been hurts, that you would allow grace to abound. We pray that where divisions have um, popped up, that you would breathe unity. And we pray that as we individually seek after you, that as a collective uh, body, as, as a church family, that God, we would reflect your heart to this community around us. And that the difference that's found because you are present in each of our individual lives and in our corporate gatherings, that that would be appealing because there is love and grace and unity and forgiveness and mercy and joy and celebration where you are and where you knit people together. So we love you. May we reflect you well to the world around us. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today, everyone.